بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم This is a collection of 40 hadith by Imam An-Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala Imam An-Nawawi was a very famous Shafi jurist and a very famous hadith scholar He has written the longest Arabic commentary on the Sahih of Imam Muslim and is universally recognized as one of the top scholars of hadith He's also compiled a very famous book known as Riyadh al-Salihin or The Gardens of the Pious or The Gardens of the Righteous which is also a very good hadith collection and it's specifically designed to contain hadith that do not lead to ikhtilafi masail or differences of legal opinion but those hadith that a person who wants to know about the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ and is not interested in getting into legal intricacies or multiple legal positions can read that book. Even more abridged is this book which contains 40 hadith. Now I'm going to read to you very quickly Okay, maybe I should skip it. So I'll skip it, but he has a, about four-page introduction. Let me begin with the first hadith. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa barakatuh sallam. An-Namir al-Mu'mineen Abi Hafsi Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu qal Samitu Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa yakul Innama la'malu bin niyat wa innama likulli imra'in ma'nawa فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجَّتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجَّتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجَّتُهُ لِلدُّنْيَا يُسِيبُهَا أَوْ إِمْرَأَةٍ يَنْكِهُهَا فَهِجَّتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَاجَرَ إِلَيْهِ This has been narrated in the collections of both Imam Bukhar and Imam Muslim. And this is a very famous hadith that many of us normally know by the first few words, But this is the complete text of that hadith. And that, and it's interesting that Imam Bukhari has also began his collection with this hadith. Imam Muslim also began his collection with this hadith. And doing ittibah of them, following in their footsteps, Imam An-Nawi began both Riyadh al-Salihin and this collection of his, the Arbain, which means 40, his collection of 40 hadith, although there are 42 in here, uh, his collection of 40 hadith uh, with this. Actions are but by intention. Okay, there's a particular event also in which the Prophet said this. Just like you remember from last night, we mentioned that verses have a shatni nazul, that there was a particular occasion in which a verse was revealed. Sometimes there were a hadith that were similar, that there's a shatni nazul or an event or occasion that prompted this. And that was as following there was a Sahaba who migrated from Makkah Makarmah to Medina Manawara because he wanted to marry a particular woman, right? And that wasn't considered the noblest reasoning of doing hijrah because the other sahaba were migrating because the Prophet told them that they should migrate from Makkah to Medina. It wasn't a bad thing that the sahaba did. But what the Prophet was talking about was the level of thawab, the level of ajr. And I should stop here and mention that there are two things. One is thawab and ajr. One is the reward that you get from doing something. And the second thing is qurb and raza. The closeness that you get to Allah SWT by doing an act of worship and the raza, the pleasure you get from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doing an act of worship. These are two separate things. For example, if you pray tahajjud at midnight, right, you will get the ajr and thawab for tahajjud. And you will also get obviously the qurb and razab Allah, but that qurb which is given at the last third of the night is more than the qurb that is given on the first two thirds of the night, even though technically both prayers will be called tahajjud prayer. So the Prophet said that actions are going to be according to intention. This is specifically referring to good actions. Right? It doesn't mean intention has an all-dominant feature. It does not mean, for example, that a bad intention can justify good action. No. Good actions, a'mal salih is what is meant here. Al-a'mal here means al-a'mal salih Righteous actions will be meritorious in the eyes of Allah, will be worthy of earning reward, or will be able to earn His qurb and radha based on how noble and sound our intention is. 
And the Prophet says that, that every person will have only that when they attend it. That person whose hijrat was for the sake of Allah and His Messenger, then his hijrat will be counted as being. And there's that person whose intention was to migrate for Allah and His Messenger, then that action of migration will be construed as have being for Allah and His Messenger. So the intention will determine the action. Now this is a particular occasion of revelation. But like I told you last time in the Quran also, no verse, no hadith is to be confined to its sababi wurud. Right? And this is not just applying to the hijrat, and it's not just for the sahaba. It means for any pious action we do. Right? If we do it for the sake of Allah, right? we do it for the sake of the deen, then we will get reward for it. And let me give example things that we do. Perhaps sometimes a person might pray out of riyah, right? pray out of ostentation or slow or because somebody is forcing them to pray. Everything has to be done in this life purely and solely and exclusively for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Prophet said, That person who migrates to the world, to acquire the world, right? To acquire the world, then his hijrat will be considered for worldly acquisition. And you have this phenomenon, right, that a lot of people from the Muslim world migrate to the non-Muslim world. Somebody moves to Germany, somebody moves to America, somebody moves to England, somebody moves to Canada. And in essence, if they were to be honest with themselves and with us, the reason they're going is this, right? The dunya yusibaha, to make, to acquire something of the world. It could be material wealth, it could be a better job, maybe not just financially, but also in terms of their fulfillment. In that case, right, lest anybody think this hadith is not saying that that is necessarily wrong. The trick in that is number one, to realize that okay, this action of mine, I cannot be dishonest and I cannot spin it. What does that mean that some people say that Neji metu dawat ki Right? That person's not going for dawat. That person's going for the job. But the person is on the right track. That what you can do is you can add another intention and think that okay, I am going for the job. But while I'm there, Allah Ta'ala is giving me an opportunity. An opportunity perhaps to do khidmat of the deen amongst non-Muslims. It can be dawah to non-Muslims. It could be strengthening my deen. It could be raising Muslims in that land who will be able to guide the Muslims of that land. There's no shortage of intentions a person can make. In that case then what we have is you can have composite intentions for a single action. Right? And you can get multiple reward for that. I'll give you an example of prayer. If you walk into the masjid, right? Let's say you walked in uh, at 1.30 p.m. And you pray two rakats. Right? Actually, I'll go one step further. If you walk into the masjid before dhuhr, there are several prayers that a person normally makes. One is called tahiyatul masjid, which is purely nafal, which is to greet the masjid. The second is tahiyatul wudu, if you just did wudu after making wudu. And the third is the four sunnahs before dhuhr. You don't have to pray all of them separately. If you walk into the masjid, do wudu, and then enter into the hall and pray your four rakats sunnah of dhuhr. You can make the niyat that that, that is also tahiyatul masjid and that is also tahiyatul wudu. You will still only get the reward of four rakats. You can't get the reward for eight. Right? So numerically the reward will be for four. But qualitatively, the sunnah of the Prophet was to the first thing that he would do when he would enter the masjid is pray. That is tahiyatul masjid. It doesn't have to be nothing. It could be the four sunnahs before the The first thing he would do after he made wudu, before, before talking to anyone or doing anything, he would pray. Right? That is called tahiyatul wudu. That doesn't have to be nafal. That could also be the four sunnahs. So sometimes you can have multiple intentions. Another example of this is the practice of isal al-thawab, which is to perform some act of ibadah and make the intention that you are sending the thawab, the reward of that act to somebody else, dead or living. 
That in any way does not detract that your primary intention of this act of ibadah was for the pleasure of Allah and as yourself, you were the abd, you were the abd, you were doing that ibadah. So again, you get many-fold or multiple-fold reward for that. So let's say, for example, you do an umrah for your grandmother who's passed away. You yourself get a complete reward for an umrah and it's multiplied. Now, what's the multiplying factor? It's not the action. The action is one. It's the intention that is multiple. So when the intention is multiple, then the thawab and the ajr of that action becomes multiple. So that means that intention is an incredible thing, especially in the amal is salih. That when you're doing righteous actions, if you have multiple intentions, that's easy to do. It's very difficult to do five umrahs. But to do one umrah with multiple intentions can multiply your sawab. Right? Or to migrate, to take some woman in marriage, his migration was for that, was that, for, was that for which he migrated. So you take this, it means that his action is for that which he intended. Alright? Let's, since we're on the subject of intention, another possibility is that you do a good action but with a neutral intention. That you pray, but before we pray, it's very important. And you don't have to do this with your tongue. I should also explain, niyat is an affair of the heart. It's a cognizance and awareness of what you're about to do. So when you come into pray three rakats maghrib, what you actually niyat means is that you are aware in your heart what it is that you're about to do, which prayer you're about to offer, what no'iyat or what type that prayer is farad, how many rakats that is, it's three, that you're doing it facing the Kaaba and it's for the sake of Allah. Some people felt that if they were forgetful, they made a formula on their tongue, that they would recite this vocally. That's permissible, but it's not required. The real intention is that which lies in the heart. Even if you say it with the tongue, it's only to trigger the heart. Right? So the first thing is that intention itself means awareness of the heart. If you lack that awareness, that's what we're going to call absence of intention or perhaps neutral intention. So a person walks and sometimes you will find this, that sometimes you're in such a rush to pray. Maybe not when you come to the masjid, but let's say for some reason you have to pray in your dorm room or you have to pray in your office, right? So a person gets up and prays what I call the quick two. And you get up and pray the quick two or pray the quick four, what happens is that you're doing it so quickly that you lose that intention, you lose that awareness. And sometimes a person gets so lost that literally sometimes when they pray they forget, uh, was this Asr or Maghrib? Then they get confused, should I be praying four or three? Or they forget that am I in the second rakat or am I in the third rakat? Or they forget, do I have to rec- did I already recite the surah or am I still, did I just recite Fatiha? They don't know what to do, right? Or they're in the second sajda and they forget, am I in the third rakat or second rakat? Should I get all the way up or should I sit? Right? So that's one of the barakat of intention. That if you can make yourself aware at the beginning of ibadah, know that niyat only takes place at the ibtida. After that's the amal itself. Niyat only, intention only takes place at the beginning. After that's the action itself that you perform. So if you can spend just 10 seconds, literally 10-15 seconds, at the beginning of prayer, and make yourself aware and focused on what you're doing, inshallah ta'ala, that awareness then will carry throughout the prayer. So the way we shoot ourselves in the foot is that we begin our salah in a state of ghaflat. We just go like this real quick. Now when you begin it in a state of ghaflat, in a state of heedlessness, then you're bound to forget something, skip something, get confused, and you think, what type of prayer is that, right? I mean, even rationally speaking, that's an extremely shameful prayer to offer. Right? Would you go to somebody and start speaking to them and say, uh, you know, like in an interview, um, did I just tell you where I went to school or did I not tell you that? Right? You'd look a fool. You should never get the job. Right? You say, excuse me, sir, can you tell me I was which of my prior jobs was I just talking to you about? Right? You, I mean, that would be nonsensical. 
right? And imagine that we do that in the most important, the most important time we ever use our tongue on the day is when we converse with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the most ahem use of our tongue. Otherwise, we're using our tongue just for licit things and maybe unfortunately some of us might use our tongue for dislike things or prohibited things. But this is the most exalted use of the tongue. And it's a mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He has allowed us to take His name even with our tongue. Who are we that we can take His name? Right? His name subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa tabaraka ismuka. Tabaraka ismuka is full of barakah is your name. But Allah Ta'ala has enabled us to take that name on our tongue. And therefore we should do so with awareness. So whatever amal it is in the deen, whatever action we do, the trick to being aware in that action, and people say, you know, I pray and I don't feel anything. I read Quran and I'm not aware of what I'm doing. Right? My mind is wandering. I'm not talking you understand the meaning. You can read the Quran with not understanding Arabic, but at least being aware that I'm a qari of the kalam of Allah and Allah is listening to me. That's what we don't have. The problem is not the Arabic tarjima. The problem is we're reading the Quran and our mind is on our studies, or our mind is on what we're going to eat, our mind is wandering. So that's a lack of awareness. So the way we center that awareness is niyyah. This is the power of intention. And it's such an incredible thing, it takes a few seconds. Right? So anytime we do any amal as salah, we should never try to be intentionless. Think that, why should I be empty of intention? I'm going to spend 10-15 seconds and become focused. Become aware of what it is that I'm doing and who it is that I'm doing it for and who it is that I'm speaking to or whose words am I reading or whose hadith Rasulullah wasallam, Kalami Rasul is also an exalted thing. That who is that incredible messenger who said these words for me, to, for me to learn from, for me to understand, for me to implement. So our, in, our intention, so to speak, in studying these hadith and this series that we're going to do every day, inshallah, Aziz, is that we want to live these hadith. This was the intention of the Sahaba. When the Prophet would say something to them, they wouldn't come back and say, Rasulullah, we wrote it down. They weren't thinking of textualizing it. And they didn't come back and say, Rasulullah, we wrote it down. That's not why the Prophet said that. He said, I didn't tell it to you to write it down or tell it to you to write it. I told it to you to live it. I told it to you to transform you. I told it to you to make a person who thinks now and actively makes intentions before every pious action. So that's what we want to do. We want to put this hadith on our tongue but bring it into our heart. We want to make dua that Allah SWT never make us void of intention. Make us intentional people. You see the Japanese, the way they walk is with such purpose, with such determination. We have to become purposeful people. This is the lost heritage of the Muslims, that we have purpose in everything that we do. We don't do things purposelessly. We don't do things mindlessly. If you apply this to your life, it'll fix your studies also. The deen trains a person in such a way that they get such skills, they get such discipline, they get such human power, that they are not just successful in the Akhirah, they have to become successful in this dunya. Right? And the last possibility, right, is bad intention. So we covered good intention, then we just covered lack of intention. And obviously to have a bad intention doing something is awful. And that just like a good intention multiplies a good action, a bad intention multiplies a bad action. And you do something wrong. Let's say you lie. Okay, one way is that you lie because you slipped of the tongue. One way is that you lie because you're trying to cover up something. Another way is that you lie intentionally, deliberately to hurt someone, to deprive someone of something, right? That intention is even more, right, egregious or even more offensive in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's eyes. And the reason we have to watch over this, 
is that many of us sometimes have bad intentions that don't lead to action. Either Allah Ta'ala saves us from acting on that bad intention, or we were unable to act on that bad intention. Right? And the most famous of this for the young man is when he misdirects his gaze. When we cast a lustful glance, we're actually making a bad intention. Now, 99% of the time, due to inability, we're not able to fulfill that intention. Right? Or you can think that Allah Ta'ala has put me in a state of hifazah. Right? But when you look at that, then that means, right, and actually the early muhaddithin, right, some of the most famous muhaddithin said that this was the most heaviest hadith on their heart. Because they said, Ya Allah, now not only do we have to watch over our actions, but we have to watch over our intentions also. Allah Akbar. That we have to be watchful over our thoughts, over our emotions, over our inclinations, over our desires. They felt that this was the weightiest hadith. <laughs> Allah Akbar. Right? And that's because they understood what this hadith was calling them to do. Right? And, this person, and they were exactly right. That it's this level of watchfulness that a mu'min should have over himself. Right? So one thing is I never do sin. One thing is I never fantasize about sin. One thing is I never daydream about That's a type of intention. Right? That's a type of it that, oh, if only it was permissible, I would do it. Or if only nobody knew, I would do it. Or if only she said yes, right? I would do it. This fantasizing, right? And this is really the biggest sort of impact the media has made on the young person's mind. Right? Of course, unfortunately, with some people, it even leads us to incorrect action. But this level, right, will be called Urdu Gandhi Soch. Gandhi Fikr, right? That if somebody was to open up, and that's what, you know, one of the early Sufis said, that the definition of a true Sufi is somebody that if you open up all his thoughts and open up all his emotions, you would find him to be as true. No dorangi, no two-facedness. You can put what he's thinking right there on the platter in front of everyone to see, and it's as pure as his zahir. So purifying our intention is actually purifying our batin. When you have a pure intention in your heart, then your heart is saved, right, from falling into all types of diseases. And then your heart is opened up to the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to, you know, the azmat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to always thinking about His exaltedness and His majesty. How can we do that, right? Now the last thing is the tips on all three. How to make a good intention. The doors to making a good intention are open to you. I'll give an example that when you sleep, one thing is the sunnah du'as, before and after a righteous action. A second is an intention you can make. So before you sleep, you can make this intention that, Ya Allah, I'm sleeping for this reason. It's not purposeless. It's not out of adat or out of habit. I'm going to make my sleep purposeful. I'm sleeping for this reason that Allah, that I get rest from the sleep. And therefore when I raise, I am raised fresh in your ibadah. That's the only reason I'm sleeping. Because I need to recharge myself to worship you. I need to recharge myself to do things that are pleasing to you. The same way you put a, bad, a phone on the charger. You don't do it purposelessly. You do it because you plan to use it. That would be intention. It's a very mundane act, sleep. But if you make this intention, sleep becomes ibadah. You just connected sleep to your Lord. In essence, that's what intention is. To make a good intention for a neutral act. Is, is there any way that I can spin this? That it can connect me to Allah subhanahu Is there any way that I can, in addition to the fact that I'm studying economics because I'm a student? Right? Fine. Or because I like that, it's my desired major. Fine. Is there any way I can also add a multiple intention to the act of studying economics that it links me to my Lord? Maybe I can say, Allah, this will please my parents, I'm doing that for your sake. Maybe I can use this knowledge of economics to do khidmat of humanity, to alleviate poverty, I can do that for your sake, right? So connect any action you have in any way possible, even the slightest way possible to Allah, is to make a good intention. The way you save yourself from bad intentions 
right, is by being watchful on yourself. Watching your mind, watching your heart, and if you ever feel a bad thought or a bad desire or a bad emotion or a bad inclination or a bad intention come to you, the first thing you should recite is La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. That there is no might or power save Allah to save me from this. Or and or you can recite the ta'awwaz, awdu billahi min ash-shaytan rajeem. And what you should do immediately is you should make dhikr. You should think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you think about Allah and you think about that He's watching me, that He's aware of me, that He's with me, that He knows the innermost secret of my breast, He knows what I'm feeling, He knows what I'm thinking, then you will feel haya. Then you will feel shame and inshallah ta'ala the bad intention will go away. So today we finish the first hadith, actions are by intentions. May Allah ta'ala enable all of us to become people of amal salih and may enable us all of us to people to, to rectify intention. I will make a short group du'a. We have about nine minutes left. So we'll do a few minutes of group du'a for people who want to sit. And then we can go sit there and make our own individual du'a before the azan is called. Subhanallah, Allah, Ya Allah, we are about to finish one action for your sake, which is fasting in the month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, we intended this fast, and we intend each and every fast in this month of Ramadan, only and only for your sake, only and only for your pleasure. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept this humble fast from our perspective, no matter how weak it may have been, no matter how mindless we may have offered it. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept this fasting, because surely we fasted for you, and surely you are the acceptor of our ibadat. Ya Allah, we ask you to improve our intention, to improve our awareness, to improve our focus in our ibadat, to give us the ability to increase in the quantity of our amal saleh to increase in the quality of our amal saleh Ya Rabbi Kareem, the truth is that we wish that each and every moment of our life we should spend it wakefully, spend it personally. Ya Allah, we ask you to endow us with your dhikr, enable us to remember you each and every second of our day and each and every second of our night. Ya Allah, let there be no thought that comes to us except that we think of you along with it. Let there be no feeling that comes in our heart except that we feel you with it. Let there be no statement that we stay with our tongue except that we think of you prior to speaking. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we wish to bring you back into our life. We wish to live an Allah-filled life. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept our salawat. We ask you to accept our fasting. We ask you to accept our du'at in this month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, we ask you to make this month of Ramadan a month of change and improvement. Change and improvement that lasts and lasts and enables us to earn your pleasure. We ask you to forgive us for all of our sins. Allahumma inna kafoon kareeb the himbul anna. Ya Allah, you are forgiving. You are merciful. You are kind. You love to forgive. <coughs> forgiving and merciful befits you. Ya Allah, we ask you to forgive us for all of our sins. Rabbana takabal minna inna ka anta samiul adeem. Utubu alayna inna ka anta tawabu rahim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. Bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin. Amen.